Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hosea. As the Lord leads, but to be the expectation at least, anticipating not very lengthy of message because we are going to partake in holy communion this morning with the word of God. Amen. He said, do this in remembrance of me. To echo what pastor said about fancy, I'll say this. It doesn't have to be fancy. It has to be obedient. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Hosea, if you turn with me to the book of Hosea, Well, this morning we're going to do what I'd consider a highlight of Hosea, highlight of Hosea. So we're not going to be bouncing around from book to book and left and right and all around. But Hosea, as a highlight, hold your finger to chapter four. We're going to look at verses one through 10. But chapters one through three, this is the beginning of Hosea. Hosea was an Old Testament prophet. And God specifically, listen, God specifically gave Hosea a very, 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 I would say very, very special gift. A glimpse into God's own eyes of the depravity of the rebellion of Israel. God gave him a special gift because God gave Hosea his lens and said, Hosea, I want you to see what I see. Whoa. The title of the message this morning is Noah the Lover, and specifically, God gave Hosea a glimpse into the rebellion of Israel, but not just that, specifically how bad, how depraved, how horrifying backsliding is. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. We all love this one. I have decided to follow Jesus. But this next part hits home. No turning back. No turning. Hosea saw that. Hosea saw God's people turn back. And we see it. But do we see it in the eyes that God sees it? So chapters 1 through 3, the introduction of his writings begin where God teaches Hosea. God teaches Hosea the prophet a life lesson of backsliding through personal betrayal. Personal. Everybody say personal. He felt it. He got to wear God's shoes. Chapters 1 through 3. But you'll find from chapters 4 through 13... Through that lessons of chapters 1 through 3, he can accurately, everybody say accurately, accurately portray the gravity of rebellion that Israel is involved in. Not just say, hey, you're going the wrong way. Truth. But stop, this is destruction, this is wrong. The feeling. Some of y'all don't get that. See, we can tell them they need Jesus. And a lot of people, religious folk, will tell you, you come to church, you need Jesus. 
But do they, have they met Jesus? We don't need to just speak the truth. We need to feel the truth. Hosea chapter 3, verse 3. You don't have to turn there because we're going to look at that entire chapter and it's only like five verses. But we're going to be looking at chapters 4, 1 through 10. But on the screen, go ahead and pull up Hosea 3, 3. Everybody look at this on the screen. This is the climax of the entire sermon, the entire story. So where a lot of people like to go to right before the end of the credits, you've got the most powerful part of the whole movie and it's there. This is that. This is the one bullseye. The, the bullseye of the bullseye, the entire message is right here. It says, And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days, and thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for any other man, and so I also be for thee. Holy. Miranda just said that earlier. We all know. Holy is to be set apart, reserved, married folk, unto your spouse. This is the bullseye because this is the moment when Jose, by the Spirit of God, tells his wife, which I'll give you a quick background, stop cheating on me. Stop cheating on me. Stop cheating on me. The interesting thing for the sake of time, and I encourage y'all read through the book. But the first three chapters covering the story, quick synopsis, it was God that called him to marry a harlot. There again, goes against controversial, uh, goes against conventional wisdom of the church that tells us that though the scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from God, does not mean that necessarily God won't lead you through the valleys of the shadow of death. Or the wildernesses that tells you to fast 40 days. Or the caves that you're running for your life. All of these things that God would lead you to. God specifically says, Hosea chapter 1, marry this harlot. And if you know my testimony, it speaks home to me. Because when I was a young child, raised in a home that was faith-based, but no disrespect, but our parents divorced, remarriages and steps and everything, I decided early on that I wanted to do Prince Charming. I watched too many Disney movies. I was the knight in shining armor in my head, and I was going to be take my princess, put her on the horse, and we're going to ride off into the sunset. This was all metaphorical in my head for as an early child. I'm not kidding. It's embarrassing, I know. So 13, 14, 15 years old, as I'm, oh, I have a crush on this girl, I was already looking for a wife. Because you know how that goes, Matt. You're talking about, oh, you know, look, getting super serious. Girls would break up with me left and right. I'm being honest. No 15-year-old girls are going to get ready to get married. I, I was, again, that was where I was. So confession. I had an early age of motivation to be the man of God. So I wasn't looking for a prom date. I was already ready to find a wife. Okay, so laying that foundation. When I read Hosea, this speaks to me. Because I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen. No other lover. No other lover. This is what God is telling his church. Chapter 4, verse 1. For the first 10 verses, I want us to take this as a grain of sand in the book of the Hosea. Because what we're going to read is just a snippet of all of the chapters. I'll dare say this. 
If I, I challenge you, let me say this, I challenge you, Heart of Worship Church, I challenge you that if you read chapters 4 through 13, you're going to find a very frustrated prophet. You're going to read through and be like, ooh, ah, mm, that, ooh, your toes are going to be bruised, okay? You're going to find a lot of scriptures throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. If it comes to an Old Testament prophet, likely it's not going to be fluff and duff and sugar and puff. And those who know what I'm talking about said, amen. Amen. I'm pretty sure y'all read the Old Testament at least to some degree. Now, specifically, Hosea said it with empathy, not sympathy. He empathized with God because God put him through a season of trial. Quick synopsis, chapter 1, Hosea, marry a harlot. He did. What happened? They had a family. Children were born. Fast forward down the sense of time. It doesn't say how long, but eventually mom decided to leave the house and her kids and sleep around. It even says that she did it in the temple. Now, when we're taking this outside of the, 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 the natural, the metaphorical, people are sleeping around in the church. This is the lesson he was showing Hosea. The Bible actually records that her beauty was worn out, specifically that no man had desired her, that she came to a point of wearing herself out in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That she had to sell her own self into slavery to pay her bills. So she went from being a desirable prostitute to a slave. Worn out. Nothing appealing in the mirror. But say, but God. God. In his mercy. mercy. Came running. Thank you, Jesus. Remember, I'll give you the punchline. We are Gomer. We are that harlot. It is the church. This was not the Philistines. This was the church. God told him to sell everything that he had, went to the slave trade, found his ex-wife, and bought her at such a high price, sold everything. To buy her back. And if that doesn't challenge you and your lo- how much God loves you. I've heard a pastor say years ago, and I'll never forget it, and said this many times. God bankrupt heaven when he gave all that he had. Jesus, his only begotten son. And poured out his blood 2,000 years ago on a cross that he might win our love back. We see the gospel played out in an Old Testament book through Hosea being a type of Christ who took his bride, loved her, had children, the family of God, and then the bride ran away, backslid, but in his love. Thank you, Jesus, for his mercy. Lord knows that once I got saved, I never kept it pure. Lord knows that I've backslid. I've made my mistakes. But in his love, he came to that slave trade, and he saw me, and he said, I'm buying you. Come, I'm taking you back. In my depravity, she wasn't even pretty anymore. And yet he literally gave all the, every penny that he had to get an ugly old unfaithful woman back. Think about that. Think about that. And pull up verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3 again, just for one more time. And in that moment of acceptance when she did not deserve it, Thou shalt abide for me many days, and thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, and so will I so 
also be with thee. You see, church, the truth is God will never leave us nor forsake us, but we're forgetting something. We forsake him. And those by listening to way of podcast that might shake your conventional wisdom of theology, but the truth is Israel always had an issue with leaving their first love. No different for the church. God is an always a faithful God. But when we divorce him, it's not his fault. Amen. So everybody get ready. Everybody got your steel toes on? Grain of sand in the beach. This is only one chapter. Verses 1, chapter 4, Hosea 4, 1 through 10, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy, Lord Jesus, a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is some truth. Everybody paying attention, what does it say? There was no truth in the land, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. It was desolate. Hmm. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Now, I want us to take note. I'm going to pause really quick. Let's zoom out. What chapter are we in? Chapter 4. What chapters did the life lesson play out? What chapters was the life lesson that Hosea went, married, had kids, lost his wife, she left him, she uh, was undesirable, all of that. What chapters did all that play out? He bought her back in a slave trade when she was super ugly and no one wanted her. One through three. So right here we're seeing now you're feeling not just the truth in the word, but the heart involved into the message. So imagine when Hosea finally gets his ex-wife back. And now the Lord says, now tell my Israelites, tell my people how bad she is the church, how, how, how rough this situation was. So you, what I'm trying to help you understand is now it's, yes, now Hosea has more than just the truth of their backslidden state. He's got the empathy that says, I've been there, and I know from my wife you were acting just like that, Israel. You were pulling the wrong strings. You were going into the path of destruction, and God loves you more than anything else. And how could you do that to him? Do y'all see the difference? Y'all know my testimony. Some of y'all in this room will tell the drug addict you need to get off of drugs, but when I tell them that, when I tell them that, that's not to take away from the Holy Spirit talking through you, let's be honest, but let's be honest, really. When I get to tell them that, you don't know what I've been through. I know what it's like to lie there overdosed and feeling my spirit in my body, knowing that I was slipping in hell just seconds away. That's what God did for Hosea, the gift of empathy. Sympathy, do we have to know that? Sympathy is feeling sorry from the outside looking in. Empathy is standing next to the person saying we're wearing the same shoes. I've been there. God had to bring Hosea to a point of being there before he can tell them. Exactly. Hosea had a testimony. We're not condemning Goma. She was used as an example and praised God for God's mercy. And as far as we know, she was faithful thereafter. We don't know as far as we know. But the point was, is that God in his mercy and his love still reaches out in the slave trade and buys ugly old sinners who don't deserve it. Amen. So it says, continuing in touch of blood, one verse three, it now says, therefore shall the land mourn. 
and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove one another for people as they that strive with the priest. Now, of course, that striving with the priest is referring to the leadership in the temple. In other words, church, we're about to get to the point it involved more than just the people. It says that there were how much truth? No truth. No truth. So taking account, Israel was at such a backslidden state, there was literally no one living for God. They were all harlots. My point is, including the priests. And that is why God had to bring Hosea through all that crazy to accurately portray the needed prophecy for them to truly get the gravity of their rebellion. Amen? Now, therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. It's getting serious. I told you I'll put your steel boots on. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I want to uh, emphasize thou hast rejected. Thou hast rejected. Irrespective of knowledge, which is still very strongly the point, but the generalization is you have rejected God. We rejected God. I've heard it said that God never sends anyone to hell. That question is stupid. God doesn't do that. We choose hell. And a just God will never allow that to happen without having that opportunity. So if an African village lives in the Congo and never had a missionary, I promise you, he will drop himself through that roof and share, I am he. I am the God that made the season of the living. If that's what it takes, he is a just God. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected and I will also reject thee. Notice that's that implication. It comes down to us, church, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of God. I will also forget thy children. I must say, Lord Jesus, God does not play with willful rebellion. He doesn't. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, I will change their glory into shame. The wrath of God, church, is a real thing. Verse 8 says, They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. Mm. There shall be like people, like priests, I will punish them for their ways. I will punish them for the ways. Y'all gotta, I don't know what's standing out to y'all as individuals. That's why I'm taking my time. There's so much meat here. I will punish them for their ways, their choosing. They rejected. They refused. God married. God gave. The wife left. The church left. I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings, for they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Feel the anguish. Hear the anguish. See the anguish. If y'all were to close your eyes and just for a quick second see him standing in the middle of the courts, in Israel, crying out to rebellious people. He was feeling the anguish of the rebellion because of the betrayal of his own wife. But God in his mercy, 
So with God's mercy, I want us to rewind to chapter 3. Because there's a whole lot of anguish, frustration, chastisement and rebuke to be had in chapters 4 through 13. But I want us to go over that quick five verse chapter 3, rewind back because I want us to see the mercy of God into that. We can sit here all day and stand on a soapbox and read all the bad chapters of how bad and reputate Israel was. I challenge you to read it on your own. It's bad. But we see it here in 2019. We see it here in 2019. You can walk. I've, I've, I've talked to people in our own community that have told me things. Now, how be it true or not, but the point being, it, it, at very least, even if it's false, it's sad that it's being spread around that, quote, pastor so-and-so of this church does A, B, and C, and it's, it'll mortify you. I'm talking about pastors doing drugs, sleeping around with their own congregation. And I can feel the anguish of Hosea when he said there's no truth in our land. But praise God, chapter 3 is Hosea buying back his bride. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the little children, to look upon other gods and the flagons of the wine. So I bought her. Listen to this. I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. It was everything he had. He gave everything that he had. If all he had was... 15 pieces of silver, an omer of barley, and a half omer of barley. That's what he had. And I said unto her, listen, of course, we said it again, but this says, this is, this is it. Thou shalt abide for me many days, and thou shalt not play the harlot, church. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt be, not be for another man, so will I also be with thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a tephraim. Now those are all elements involving the cultural aspects, uh, ceremonial uh, for the tabernacle and the temple. After, afterward, verse 5, shall the children of Israel return, praise the Lord, here we go church, and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Look at chapter 14, only nine verses. Chapters 4 through 13 was the indignation and the rebuke to Israel for their backsliding. But the last and final pretty much stands alone in and of itself, but does what very much parallel chapter 3. But 14 says, verse 1, everybody have a say, amen. amen. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. This is the this is let me say this again. After all of those chapters and, and the call for repentance and the call to tell them how bad they were backsliding, this is the conclusion of the prophetic word through Hosea in the spirit of empathy. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So we render the calves of our lips. Ashur shall not save us. We will not ride upon the horses. Ashur would be a person, so no man can save you. Neither will we say any more to work on the hands of your, our gods. For in thee the fatherless find mercy. I will heal their backsliding. Oh, Jesus. Verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. 
for mine anger. Thank you, Jesus, is turned away from him. That doesn't mean much if we don't really understand the wrath of God. If we don't truly understand the wrath of God, the fiery indignation of God having to punish sin and wipe out cities as he's done in the past, it doesn't mean much when he says, mine anger is turned away from me. And that's the problem. No truth in the land. There are teachers and preachers, itching ears that teach that God is love, so therefore he doesn't punish. He doesn't chastise. That was the Old Testament version of God, but uh, I don't know if God had a little intervention or something and God had to change. Does that make sense? That is false doctrine. That is false doctrine. And I know many of us here, and I don't mean to be presumptuous, I can't. I can't be presumptuous. I'd like to say most of y'all are not backsliding. Most of y'all are not compromising. Most of y'all are not slipping. As if you read another chapter studying it, Hosea described backsliding as, as a, a calf pushing back, trying to you know, grab them, but they're pulling away. Literally, he described it as a calf backsliding, even if it's for one of y'all, or at very least an encouragement. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I will heal their backsliding, he said, verse 4. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from them. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and the smells Lebanon. Talking about growth and thereafter and repentance and restoration. They that dwell under the shadow, his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do any more with idols? Praise God. I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. The just shall walk into the ways of the Lord. That that touches very strongly into obedience and holiness. But the transgressor, transgressors shall fall therein. Transgressors. Before I come to a close, I wanted to highlight something of remembrance. A lot of people might have heard the word transgression, and those that commit transgression are called transgressors. The difference between a transgressor and a sinner is one knows right. One has already tasted of the grace of God. One is the goma. The other is the born and fornicating and never this and that. That's just what they are. Transgressor actually, and if you look it up into the Strong's Concordance, it specifically denotes people who have already tasted of the truth. No better. People who have sinned willfully. Simply put, is when people like us who have tasted of the truth. A transgressor is one who betrays their love. Sinner hadn't married yet. We're trying to get him to Jesus. But we become transgressors as Gomer who has already married Jesus. And when we do the calf, pull away. 
And we allow the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life to become our priority, or shall we say our lover. It is then we become a transgressor. It means betrayal. We betray our lover. So with that, I want us to do communion and do this in remembrance of him. I want us to not be found a transgressor. Everybody stand. I might have, some of y'all have probably heard this before, but I'm going to share, as I shared last night in our prayer service, I'm going to share something, my testimony. The crazy kid who was looking for his bride-to-be at 15 years old, giving jewelry to, to girlfriends within the first week, didn't work out so well. Don't do that. But I did get engaged. And pastor, where are you at? He's somewhere. There he is. Miss Oklahoma. Yeah. She had a ring on her finger from me, but she cheated on me five times. Five times. I forgave her after the first two, and it happened supposedly within the short time. Point is, I, I tried and kept it. And that's just one. I can list a, lo- a few others. It's embarrassing. I'm not proud of it. But I, pers- I pursued so strongly for those that didn't deserve it. And the only lover that I've truly ever known who never cheated on me, who was always faithful, was God himself. My freshman year at Bible college, this is not to glorify Bible college, I'm giving a timeline. The very first service, we did a bi-weekly service, and I'm, I'm standing there and thinking, I felt led. I went to the altar, and I poured out to God, because in that time frame, I had just come out of a very bad breakup, heartbroken, everything, the expect, expectations were this high, it fell apart to the ground. My heart at this point, if you combine the years of betrayal, I had pieces of my heart that were lost in the carpet. So many times was I broken, getting somewhere. You know what God did to me? Very specific. I laid there at the altar, not just kneeling. I laid there sobbing like a baby. And you know what God did? He fast-forwarded in my head every time of my memory that I laid on that altar before. The youth camps, the vacation Bible schools, the church services, the every time that I was before my God, bathing in intimacy, loving Jesus, crying out to him at five years old, born again, speaking in tongues at five years old. I had all these memories flash like it was the end of my life. Boom. And he said, I was there first. I was there first. I can't speak to those who were never raised in church, but anyone in here who, like me, was raised in church and they had their first love. I cried out for God, heal my heart, I'm broken, but he had to tell me, I was there first. You betrayed me. You're asking to heal my heart, for your heart for all of the times that these girls that you've invested everything into hurt you. You hurt me. I don't want any other. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to spend just a few moments of reflection. 
Show us, God, where we commit idolatry and put anything above you. I don't want any other lovers. I don't want any other lovers. I don't want any other lovers. Lord, you're mine today. And if that's your prayer, come up to these altars. We're going to take communion as a prayer of repentance. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.